species living in all kinds of liquids. 800 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 species living in all kinds of liquids. All kinds of liquids with Allie, Maggie, and Mary. Hello, television listeners. Welcome to All Kinds of Liquids. In today's episode, three white people under the age of 30 talk about, um, it's, it's a docu-series, no, it's, no, it's a, not, it's a biopic, <laughs> it's called a it's biopic. It's a biopic, <laughs> thank you, it is a biopic about a blaxploitation film filmed in the 70s, 70s? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You could have, like, you basically could have just stopped at blaxploitation films, they were dead by the 80s anyway. Right. Well, Dolomite if you want to hear our name. opinions about Dolomite is my name, you came and to the right being place. Being white is our game. Being yep. white is our game. Also, I I figured I'd and throw in, losing. you know, we're under the under the age of 30 just because we weren't around in the 70s. Yeah. yeah. In my head, I live in a romanticized version of the 70s. Yeah, you, you have to be in your yeah, 40s uh, to Allie be and around I, in the Yeah, 70s. Allie and I have got a fucking apartment in romanticized 1970s New York, I think. We do. We do. We share out. We're roommates. Um, Which is, that's why I kind of chose this movie, is the romanticized version of the 1970s that exists in this movie is is the one I have in my head, basically. Same with um, Nice Guys. I love that version of the 1970s. It's just fun. Well, Nice Guys oh, yeah. is crime. And like that one, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, like you know, 1970s porn industry. It's, it's, ah! it's not bad. I know. I'm sure it, I'm sure it was terrible and exploitative, just like the porn industry is today, but but porno chic was an entire like porno chic was just thing. so chic god damn it right mm. today i'm dressed up like a do you know what vibe i really tried to go for what um trailer park 1950s trailer park okay what is that so i've got a little mask. i've got a little crop top on that's tight and i've got big hoop earrings but like they're they're wicker they're yellow and wicker. I've got, um, well, if I was going outside, I'd be wearing sunglasses. I curled my hair, and um, I'm wearing, like, tight tight little pants. <laughs> and again, if I was leaving the house and it wasn't snowing again today, I would wear little cute little wedgie, wedgie heels, or like a short little heel sandal thing. Yeah, I'm just wedgie. wearing pajama pants and a sweater, so... You know, different strokes for different folks. That's cozy. Mm-hmm. You could be you could be in the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, any any decade. Yeah, right? yeah, true. You'd fit you'd fit right in. Meanwhile, I'm wearing high waisted plaid skinny jeans and a shirt with a creepy rabbit, so I'm not sure if that's like any decade. Uh, the twenty tens. The, yeah, the 2010s. or the the I'm very much the nineties. If you were, uh, you could be in the grunge movement. Or the punk. I wanted to call. I, I it's just punk, but I wanted it to have two words, so I was like, what, like punk post-punk? hip, punk, post. Punk? You could call it post. Post post punk. 
Magnolia, can you give me a working definition of what post-punk is? No, I can't. Um, <laughs> cool, because I can't either. It it's just seems just... like a lot of vaguely connected things that aren't punk. It's like it's like pornography. I know what it is when I hear it. <laughs> but I, I just... A bad definition that I do not accept. I just can't. I just can't tell you what post-punk is. It's it's just a type of music. Um, Viet it's, Cong it's... is an example. Do you now, remember I mean, punk? They're now, called, they're now called preoccupations because people got mad at them for having the name Viet Cong. But... Interesting. Do you remember <laughs> punk, Mary? Just like, just Do you remember standard punk? punk? Yeah. The idea of punk? Yeah. Again, like I wasn't alive for it in its infancy, but yeah. But... Okay, that, but, like, after that. That's what post-punk is. <laughs> Dolomite is my name. Actually, yeah. Allie's my name, but the movie, yeah. the name and of this my movie. My name is Maggie. Yeah, have we... we introduced ourselves. <laughs> Fuck! I'm Allie. My name is Mary. There we go. Um, but the name of this movie is Dolomite is my name. Which isn't um, even true, because Eddie Murphy is his name, and also Rudy Gray Moore is yes. his name. Yeah, yeah, Dolomite the movie is the lied character. To us. <laughs> this movie is full of lies. <laughs> like any good um, Hollywood biopic. Full of lies. But I, do you know what? I'm fine with the lies that were probably in this movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of more oversimplification than lie, I would say, number one. Yes. Um, but let's let's get into it, and we'll talk about maybe the bits of us we liked, we didn't like. I think Allie and I have a potentially slightly different view of it than Magnolia does. Because we romanticize yep. the 70s aesthetic. Yeah. I don't really care about that stuff, but it's 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 good. Is there that... one decade that you enjoy the aesthetic of more than others, Maggie? No. Um, eighteen twenty. Even if not like fashion and style, potentially like music or art, something like that. Because like, you know... Yeah, I just I just even... take my influences from disparate eras. I don't really like think, oh, that, that's that's a cool shirt or whatever. Maybe we just haven't hit the era that really speaks to you yet. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe There's the the future. The twenty thirties are gonna be like the decade for Maggie. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's just gonna like wear nondescript jeans and listen to an absolute hodgepodge of music and Magnolia. Yeah, and also all movies will be about nothing. I hate and to bring up the uh, the um, Three Body Problem series again, but I guess the era there is that I like is the deterrence era where everybody, there are basically two genders. There's women and femboys <laughs> is basically <laughs> the great. idea. All the men right. have just sort of transformed into women-looking people. It's just like what fucking Alex Jones thinks was, is happening with the gay frogs or whatever. Yeah, basically. It's the conservative nightmare of masculinity disappearing, and it's unclear whether the author thinks this is a good or bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> but whether or not you read this I thought it was dy- cool. dystopia or utopia depends on the reader, I think, is actually very cool. Mm-hmm. So, back to, to human movies. Eddie Murphy plays Rudy Ray Moore, who is a failed optimist who maintains dreams of making it big in the entertainment industry as sort of a broad category. He just wants to be famous. Yeah, very much that. So, like, he starts out as an unsuccessful musician trying to get Snoop Dogg to play his records, and Snoop Dogg's like, nah, man, your records are bad. Yeah, he does say that. He's just lame. 
eventually just keeps pressing him until Snoop Dogg's like, oh, are you really, man? Like, do you think I want to be a the the mid-afternoon DJ of a failing radio station? Leave, yeah, yeah, leave me sucks. alone, basically. Yeah. And in opposition to that attitude, Rudy Ray just sort of, he just kind of keeps hustling. He's um, such a hustler. Yeah, this is he, about he that entrepreneurial grind In both positive and negative terms, perhaps. Yeah. Inspired by a homeless guy, um, he invents a rhyming African-American cultural-infused comedy storyteller called Dolomite. And unlike his previous efforts, Dolomite is highly successful as an endeavor. The mixture of comedy that specifically appeals to the African-American community, um, a strong sort of rhythm and musical element, and as well as very sort of salacious subject matter and often record covers involving naked women, really yeah. throw this project over the top for him. We get to see Eddie, Murky, is a good Eddie Murphy nude. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> I don't think he's nude because his stuff covered up behind that couch his stuff is covered up but we see a lot of him we see a yeah, lot of him we see a lot of him throughout like the, mo- the two hour like runtime of the movie because he's the main character nudity. oh yeah that's true i'm sure yeah eddie can i can we talk about i feel like the only thing i'm sure i've seen him in other things but the thing i know eddie murphy from as a person under the age of 30 as a performer is... <laughs> I really want to know what you're going to say. It's Dr. Doolittle. Oh! Okay, I was going to say Shrek as well. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say Dr. Doolittle. I, whatever, I I saw, like, Meet Frank or whatever that one is. Meet Meet Dave. Meet Dave. (laughs) Meet Dave. I have no opinion of that movie. It was probably bad. I saw it when I was, like, nine. I don't even remember enjoying it particularly at the time. So, I mean, like, the basic rundown of Eddie Murphy is he was the hottest thing going in comedy in the late 80s, early 90s, then basically sort of hit a place where he was so big that, like, he didn't sort of have to try anymore. Mm. And then also, I think culture kind of moved on to different other comedian hot topics, and he sort of struggled to stay relevant and made some bad choices, such as Meet Dave, and I think Norbit, to me, is a big turning point for him. That one, I think, really tanked him to a certain degree. It was, like, sort of him trying to do the Tyler Perry or Mike Myers and Austin Powers thing, but it was terrible. Yeah, um, that's what I heard about it as well. I just, I just, I just looked at Can't attest to it from personal experience, but... I mean, I can put it on the list of movies we watch. Sure. You don't have to do that. <laughs> Why don't we put Shrek on the list? I'd rather watch I saw Shrek. Shrek, like, this year earlier. Uh, we'll put Shrek we 2, put the Shrek, best yeah, Shrek. Yeah, Shrek 2 is the Dark Knight of the Shrek series, so... Shrek 2 <laughs> is number one best Shrek. It goes, it goes it 2, is. 1, 3. And then everything else. And I don't know four, about the rest. You, you have, four is Forever probably... After, Puss in Boots spinoff. Oh, yeah. the Puss in Boots spinoff. Um, but the, the number one top story about Shrek right now. Do you want to hear it? Sure. Yes. Woman hailed an absolute icon after getting a Shrek tattoo in tribute to favorite... Uh, oh, no! Ah! An ad. In tribute to favorite... Fe- oh, just favorite film. Okay. 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 All right. Thank you. Uh, yeah, like, I back see to Eddie tattoo. Murphy. The thing is, like, you know, I think Norbit, and then an, an, after Norbit, it did seem like he often kind of gave up and just chose movies where he could phone it in for a big paycheck. 
he's a very talented guy. Um, obviously great comedic timing, but he does also have a decent dramatic streak. He did get nominated for an Academy Award for Showgirls back in, I think, 06, which might have been the same year as Norbit. Wait, I, I do have to watch I, Showgirls. I forgot that he got an Academy Award nomination. Good for him. He lost to Alan Arkin for a little bit of sunshine, and there was a lot of talk about, like, he really thought that was going to be his night. Very Glenn Close showing up dressed as an Oscar kind of moment, and then he lost. <laughs> I, so yeah, you're I just am... tempting fate if you're showing up dressed like an Oscar. It's though. true. Yeah, I mean, you're He didn't do that, but asking. I wish he had. That would be I... cool. Solid I... gold. I forgot what I was going to say. It was I also do think it's funny that, like, in this movie it is like yeah this comedian who has this high side hustle as like a musician when uh eddie murphy did also try and be sort of like a late 80s r&b musician did he yeah. does he have an album yeah he has like one hit wonder called party all the time and it's like okay all but you know not time. as good Song as sort of straight up r&b and not as good as sort of the comedy tracks he put out like boogie in your butt which is just about putting stuff in your butt. <laughs> comedy tracks classic, were the... Classic comedy track... Uh, Wait, were comedy tracks topic. actual songs? Or were they more like the Netflix series you could buy on record? No, it's more like Dick in a Box, but 30 years before Dick in a Box. Okay. Like, there's a variety of both. You could get a stand-up comedy on a record or a CD, but you would also just get people doing, like, proper three-minute comedy songs, Weird oh. Al shit, Dr. Demento. Should we explain what do- what just Dolomite is? Dolomite what is do you the mean, character. Like... No, I know, but like the, the original movie. Oh, well, I mean... Oh, yeah, okay, we the... haven't gotten... Are we going to get there? Play into... Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is anyway. sort of the thing that I told them when I, we were watching the movie is... I did write a fairly lengthy research paper in university about exploitation as a film genre, so I do have a lot of opinions and takes on it, but I'm trying to sort of keep that under wraps, because, like, I'm not the fucking audience for any of this. It's true. Right, um, but I mean, we're, we're, we're already doing a podcast about it, so you could talk about yeah. what you wrote. You're allowed your... to, I don't yeah. But also, I mean, when we, when we did the Neon papers. Demon, I, ju- I dumped about Giallo for enough that it ended up being like an hour and ten minutes or something. I'm also just trying not to do that here. No, dump! Give us your information. Also, yeah. Um, no, let's... When I say dump, I mean let's get back to doing the, our generic um, summary of the movie. Yes. Right, so yeah. Dolomite's successful enough that he do, he gets noticed by a bunch of white executives who are just kind of... They play a great role in the movie. Like, we say that they're powerful, but they're also just, like, deeply uncool. <laughs> it... Yeah, that... I felt represented by them. <laughs> I... I guess I want to talk about the fact that, like, this movie is set in the 70s, and this actual man probably had a lot of, like, probably pretty racist um, pushback. Rudy Ray or the white Rudy Ray. Rudy Ray. Probably had a lot of fairly racist, just, like, pushback to his creative endeavors. Mm -hmm. But the movie glosses over that. We don't, yeah, it, again, this we'll get is, to this, this when a... we actually get to him making Dolomite, but this was made in 1975, at which point exploitation had been codified as a genre and as a successful one that white executives were looking to as a way to make a quick buck. Oh, that's true. The, yeah, so but the way they kind it, of it sort of seems like Rudy Ray Moore stumbles ass backwards into making a black exploitation <laughs> genre as if he invented it sort of at the same time. 
<laughs> Even though, like, yeah, there is an entire, like, there's a, there is a specific scene where he goes to, like, a black exploitation executive and that guy's just like, your movie isn't good, so we're not gonna produce it. Yeah. I, I just, and then, like, I like that anyway, it's... sort of sticking it to the man, but the thing is, like, and, like, this is where I don't want to, like, sort of have my opinion have any weight, but, like, having seen the movie, in a lot of ways, it isn't very good, just, like, objectively. I could understand why people passed on the script. I mean, it was clearly made, I, if this movie, if this biopic is to believe, it was made very low budget um, yes. by a bunch of amateurs who had a vision, but not necessarily the technical know-how. They employed, <laughs> so, like, like technical two know-how people that's tanking with the talent. It. Because, like, the, origi- the, the original exploitation movie, Sweet Sweet Back's Badass Song, was very much the previous things. It was someone who made it on their own steam without any help because, like, it was the first black exploitation movies. Black movies weren't considered to be popular. Right. So, um, I can't remember his first name. Van Peebles, like, did it himself. I think it was Van Peebles. Anyway, did it himself, low budget. I don't know how much um, filmmaking knowledge he had. It is definitely a little rough around the edges, but it is technically somewhat superior and also just, like, um, what's what am I trying to say here? Dolomites, Dolomites, a lot all over the place. Both are definitely essentially wish fulfillment, as is um, Shaft, which is the other really early, really popular black exploitation movie. But like, they're a little more Shaft. focused. We should watch Shaft. Shaft is amazing because Shaft, like, the wish fulfillment is it's just the coolest private detective you've ever seen in his life, and he's in your fucking life. cool. And sometimes he just goes down to the police station full of white cops to make them look bad because he's so cool. Hell yeah! Yeah, it's amazing. At no also, point does he do the kung fu. He doesn't have like an army of women, and it's also, also like Dolomite is a comedy, which actually did set it out against uh, a lot of black exploitation films. Yeah, I was the the and vibe that's, is I definitely think, like actually what did make it successful, and the thing where I'm like, I didn't really like it or respond to it, but comedy I do think is somewhat culturally subjective, and as this movie shows you at the end. It had a huge cultural influence. This is a huge cult hit, more particularly because of the comedic beats and the character of Dolomite mm-hmm. than the sort of overall structure making of the movie. Yeah. It is hard to watch older comedies in general, just because it's like, I don't, like, who are the politicians they're making fun of? I don't understand. Like, some something probably happened in the new like there's just a different well adult specifically is as they do show like it's a character that arises out of a lot of um african-american sort of cultural jokes uh stereotypes and stories that lead all the way back to slave culture guess what i don't fucking get those references whatsoever i don't fucking know yeah it's true i don't know Eh. so uh, like yeah when i say like you know i didn't like the original dolomite movie because i have seen it it's like I'm missing all the stuff that made it good right. just because of my lack of cultural knowledge. So then all I'm kind of left with is a movie that's just bad to look at because it's very cheaply made. Has like <laughs> one actor of renown in it and then then just I mean, like a bunch Rudy of Ray amateurs. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess Rudy Ray Moore, but I'm talking about Wesley Snipes' character. in. Uh... Yeah. Wait, Wesley Sm- Snipes was in the original? No, no, he's he, in this one. No, oh, in I'm like, he's wait, not, how old is old Wesley enough. Snipes? I thought he was like, I don't know, maybe in his 40s? <laughs> okay, I'm going to guess he's he a is vampire. 59. He's a I'm oh just going to look it up on Wikipedia. Let me see how close I am to the correct answer. 
complete silence. If he's in his forties, <laughs> if he's, if he's I win. I think that's the anyway. Um, he is fifty nine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Whoa. Complete. The predictions. Yeah. <laughs> what are the what are the, on, on what are the lottery what are the lottery numbers? What are the lottery numbers? Um, a five is one of them. Okay, excellent. Or one of them has a five in it. I can only guess one number at a time. So. Got you. Yeah. So if five. anybody out there does the lottery and wins, and there's a five in it, you owe us money. That's true. That's just okay. a fact. Yeah. Right. Continue. Back to the movie. Um. Sorry for yelling. One night. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> One night while uh, Rudy is performing as Dolomite, he um, encounters a woman who's getting beaten by her partner and very quickly sort of turns her into his protege. Her name is Lady Reed, and I love her. She's excellent. Raises the question, can you just start calling yourself Lady whatever? Can I be Lady Alley? I think... Because that's how she introduces him, herself to him at the bar. It's not like once she starts touring with him, she's Lady Reed. The stranger at a no, bar. No, that's her actual like, name. You know, who are you? And she's like, oh, I'm Lady Reed. Like, why can't I? What's stopping me besides. I mean, it's social. social it's yourself. Construct. Yourself it's myself. That's it doing is. doing that. You I just want to be like. say whatever you want. Really. <laughs> I just want to say my. I'm, I'm, I'm Countess Alley. Who's going to stop me? To, like, no just one. my friends. No one. Same, same people are going to stop you from calling yourself the Princess of Canada. Fucking no one. Yeah, exactly. Get out of here. Those people limitations. who would stop me from... Fuck off limitations. limitations. Yeah. Ugh. Gross. Pleased to meet you. I'm Dolomite. Maggie. I invented camembert cheese. <laughs> Dolomite would, would say, don't let them tell you anything. Just yeah. do what you want to do. Just rhyme at them until they rhyme at them until money. they submit. <laughs> it's a very inspirational movie because you know you gotta you gotta just gotta just do what you're doing and then don't let regardless anybody of, tell you what yeah, for. Regardless yeah. of actual talent or quality of output, you'll like, eventually get there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just do it. Like this just is... yeah. Even though you're uh, currently one. failing at everything you are trying to do, eventually you will succeed <laughs> if you steal something from somebody else. He really does kind of fail at every corner, but he it always turns upwards, out okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's so nice. It's so nice to have a, a movie where, like, yeah, everything goes wrong, but I'm never worried. I know Dolomite's going to be okay. Yeah, you, I, for you specifically, Ellie, it would be worth looking into, I believe, the writer's other movie was Ed Wood, which is, again, like, a big celebration of a director who's inherently incompetent. Excellent. But okay. it's so much about just, like, yeah, but, like, he has a good life, and he loves what he's doing, and, you know, his movies are cult hits, so so who's the real winner here? Exactly. It doesn't all it just has to be entertaining. It doesn't have to be... the movie-going audience is the winner. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose it is also a bit like the disaster artist Tommy Wiseau, but like he's obviously Rudy Raymore is like like Tommy Wiseau is on such a different fucking level than everyone else, save maybe Neil Breen. You see the thing about well, the thing about making a movie like the disaster artist or this one is that I would just personally I'd rather just watch the movie that it's based on, or or again, not or like, not watch it at all. One of the two. <laughs> I don't know. I I like this movie. I like I like um. Well, I think what also differentiates 
uh, Rudy Ray Moore from somebody like Tommy Wiseau. Rudy Ray Moore seems personable. He seems like somebody I would actually enjoy being in a room with. Whereas um, Tommy Wiseau gives me the creepy heebie-jeebies. Yeah, like I want to watch his artistic product, but I don't want to necessarily interact with him on a personal level. Exactly. But Rudy Ray Moore, he seemed, I mean... Eddie Murphy's version of Rudy Ray Moore seemed like a blast. He this is the fun. thing is like you know this is this is a pretty light movie. Um, you know it is it is just Hollywood making a movie about itself and patting itself on the back for solving problems of racism in cinema because this one guy made it. What works for me is two things. First of all, it's a feel good movie that actually made me feel good. Mm-hmm. And sort of along that same line, it is the fact that they created a protagonist in this movie who you do want to see succeed. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, I was rooting him for him the whole time. In this movie, he does. Yes, I think he should have gotten an Oscar for this movie. Yeah, that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah, like maybe not a win, but a nomination. I'm seeing. I'm trying. What is 2019? This was a movie that did get quite a lot of like you know Golden Globe musical comedy nominations, but even then, it didn't win any that year. I think so lame. I'm trying to. And yeah, nobody think gives of... a shit about the Golden Globes, so you know it's. But it, like, it helps the, the musical comedy, the very nebulous musical comedy category. At least, like, kind of allows someone like Eddie Murphy in this role to get that nod where he. Yeah, it's it's a neat it's idea, least, you know, but it's Murphy, a shame cool. that it's done by an awards show that nobody it's, cares it's about. It's dead at this point anyway. So yeah. I don't know where that is. Like, I I watched the Saturday Night Live episode with the woman from West Side Story, Ariana DeBose. And she opens it by saying, like, I'm a Golden Globe winning uh, person because, like, she won the Best Supporting Actress Golden Globe this year. And I'm like, I guess that is a very notable achievement, though, if you're, like, potentially the last person to win. I was going to say, it's t- now it's like, collect them before they're gone. They're going to- You're their ultimate I graduated winner. from Trump University the year before it went out of existence. Exactly. It's like winning the last Stanley Cup. You know? Getting yeah. born, You're the getting born, winner. getting born in like a country right before it changes its name. So like yeah. on your birth certificate, it still says like Swaziland oh, I'm... instead of yeah. Eswatini. Exactly. That's just I don't know. Little fun, little bragging rights. Yeah. Or Macedonia uh. instead of North Macedonia. There you go. So in uh, in Dolomite is my name. Uh, Rudy Ray and his friends, they go to see a movie, and his friends are like, oh, let's go see uh, Black Caesar or Blackenstein, and then Rudy Ray's like, oh, no, let's go see this uh, fucking comedy movie, I wanna laugh, and then they go see this movie, and it's like, stuffy white people comedy. And so Rudy Ray Moore decides that he needs to single-handedly solve the problem of black representation in cinema. Hell Again, yeah. completely disregarding the fact that this wasn't, like, kind of the peak popularity of black exploitation, especially in New York. And both of his friends were like, let's go see a movie with black people. And Rudy was like, nah, let's go see this white people movie. Yeah, and like... <laughs> well, there wasn't a comedy. There wasn't black That's comedy. True. Not intentionally. Like, let's be real. Like, Blackenstein, uh... <laughs> I'm gonna say that one might be pretty funny. <laughs> I've never seen it. It has the... pretty low reviews on IMDb. The concept alone makes me funny. Yeah. Like, Blackula's, it's not... is, like, Blackula's fun, it's not really, like, it's fun, if not funny, but, like... I guess, I guess I just, like, the, the concept of just, we made them black, and then also, 
Like it's dra- it's just Dracula. It's, it's 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 ladies. Well, it's like it's Lady Ghostbusters or whatever the yeah exactly. The it's the ex- <laughs> but like they're titling it that. Yeah, it's yeah. Ghostbusters, but women. It's like yeah, it's it's Dracula, but he's black. Like it's just yeah. sort of like I get it. I like it honestly. So that's like, and that's I think very it's kind much of fun. where the black exploitation comes in. It's not just like we made a black vampire movie like Ganjan has. It's a We Made a Black Vampire movie, and the blackness is very, very specific to this character, and we're also right. going to market itself based on the blackness. Which, again, like, you know, at least initially, exploitation, I don't think, really deserved to be a- attributed to the early black movies, like Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song and Shaft. They were made outside of a studio system and often had more nudity, but I don't think they were exploitative, specifically not of black people which right what black but then certainly by the end of the decade when basically white executives got into it and just started essentially making remakes of previous successful movies that just increasingly sort of watered down the intelligence and made it mm. into just like you know the jot notes version of it then at that point it absolutely was black exploitation so it's sort of a shame that i feel like that title for the subgenre became sort of I don't know, like, prescriptive, when initially it wasn't. It was more black indie cinema. But by the end of it, oh, baby, once white people got a hold of it, it was it's like exploitative. White... It's like white people often do that. Rich yeah, white like, this people. Is, this is, this, this is the, my entire research paper was about the rise and fall of black exploitation, and, like, the, the conclusion was white people ruined it. Well, they yeah. flooded the market with a bunch of films, whereas before it was, yeah, you know, just, like, the occasional one made by a very passionate person who wanted to make an actual piece of art and then white people were like oh this is a way to make a quick buck and like they usually do in the exploitation subgenres this is something else i've noticed with general subgenres of exploitation is that a lot of that product is very specifically just trying to remake popular movies as opposed to doing any original idea like even more right. so than you would see in the mainstream yeah so, like that's yeah. what happened with giallos is everyone just sort of copied dario argento's to lesser returns or the cannibal subgenre everyone was just trying to do man from deep river and then slightly later on everyone was just trying to do cannibal holocaust yeah it but, like they weren't mining boring. new territory they were just going for what had been popular before right and then to increasingly diminishing returns that is sort of yeah i mean yeah that, that, that happens in like every sort of media source it absolutely does um, what what makes it exploitation? I mean, part of it's just, like, I consider exploitation to be sort of a thing about, like, uh, studio systems and theatric distribution. That's not interesting. Part of it, what makes it exploitation is when you water it down so much that, like, very minor aspects become sort of, like, the entire reason for seeing it and specifically marketing it. Mm. Like, like, car exploitation is a subgenre, and it's not oh. like I'm worried about the cars being exploited. <laughs> right, but as soon as it's like, but oh, like yeah, that's we're... how they're going to market it: is all cars all the time. Come see it for the cars, and we're not going to care about aspects of this other than the cars because we know why you're here. Right, it's right. Sort of like yeah. not telling a full story. It's just trying to hit what people like. They're like, oh yeah, people like these films made by black people, so let's just keep doing that. But we're white, and we're gonna like write yeah. it probably, yeah, or at least like... have final say in the scripts. Yes, exactly. And then shockingly, it turns out that when you're working from outside of that culture, your product isn't as good, which means not as many people, either of the black community or of the crossover white audience, which again, you did get with things like Shaft, as well as Dolomite. Yeah. They, they're not going to see it either, because it's just not a good product. My dad is the one who introduced me to black exploitation because he went and saw Shaft in theaters, I think, or Look, something. I don't like, know. He, Shaft yeah. is so great. 
Shaft is the coolest motherfucker I've ever seen in cinema. Like Exactly. I bought myself a brown leather jacket and a turtleneck because I wanted to be Shaft. And I still <laughs> want to be Shaft. He is a universal, Everybody wants to be like, Shaft. He, Shaft. It's, Shaft is that magical thing where, like, he's very much based on very specific... Like, he's a very specific character based on a very specific writer's point of view. But then there are themes that are incredibly universal. Which is just that he's the coolest motherfucker on the he's planet. He's the coolest motherfucker. He sleeps with all the girls. Um, wait... He's cool uh, gay guys. Oh, are you trying to do the song? He's the, he's uh, the private jick, dick who gets all the chicks. Shaft. Yeah, that's that's a sex machine. To oh, he's just he's the sex machine to all the chicks. I always yeah. thought that there was another word in that. Who's the man that would risk his neck for his brother, man? Yeah, Shaft. Shaft. Can you dig it? I yes. haven't heard the song, so you haven't. Mag- Unbelievable, no. Magnolia. I will. I will make it the outro music. I don't, uh, think, I, we might run into copyright thing. I mean, I don't know we put, we've been putting in. I've just been putting the copywritten music on, as the I mean, outro I, music, but like twenty of seconds of it. So. Yeah, we're yeah, not just making... put that fucking slap and bass riff. Because like this is the thing. This is one of the reasons I do love black exploitation and the nineteen seventies cultural overall. Is, is I love funk music. No, funk just like a a funky fucking bass. Yeah. Yes. And they're like obviously this, this, the music in Dolomite, both like you know the original score and all the uh, songs from that time period they put in. It's just like they slap so fucking hard. They're I so don't know good. if this movie inherently has a groove to it or if it just has a really good soundtrack. But either way, this movie's fucking groovy. I was like wiggling in my seat the whole time because I'm like, there's always some sort of beat happening, and it's yeah, always it's, like, nice. Focus on like bass riffs and a good horn section. Those are womp, two great instruments. That was my impersonation of a funky bass rift. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Think. Now you don't need to put the shaft music in there. They're just Luke Alley doing that. <laughs> you better not. Unless you give me like a cool. I don't know. Nickel? <laughs> a, a cool. A crisp 20. Sense piece. Yeah, I, I can I can get that in the mail to you. Sick, thank you. You're not supposed to mail cash. Oh really? All yeah. your grandmas are criminals. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know why, but I I remember reading that because it on, can like, get lost. Like, I guess so. Yeah. I uh, you can mail I checks was doing money a, laundering. Um, a secret Santa with a bunch of people in my. Uh, podcast discord server yes. not this podcast the other one um yes. and Your my gift one. of, of Your secret other gourmet mustards got lost in the mail so oh no the guy never got it that's, that's really that's tragic for him maybe one day when he's like like five years from now if he's still living at the same address Mustard will just appear at his door. Yeah, hopefully. Or ultimately, maybe someone else received the mustard and opened it, so it really was a secret Santa, as in you don't know who it went to. <laughs> yeah, and oh. they don't know who sent the mustard because Honey, yeah. it's wounded. Do you know who Magnolia is? No. Oh my god, what if you just ruined somebody's marriage? Uh oh. Nothing says romantic gift from a side relationship. <laughs> like a side mustard, piece yeah. like the mailing of mustard. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just honestly couldn't think of a good gift for somebody I barely knew. So. I think I've heard about that a lot, but my panic about I can't think of a good gift has never led me down the path of artisanal mustard. 
I don't know. The consumables are great. Also, you know what? If that person doesn't like it, they could they could have just given it to somebody else. Well, this is also the thing. I do think it's a good gift because either they like it, they'll use it, or it's just hilarious that someone gave you a bunch of mustard. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's a great gift, Magnolia. It's just like, I, you know, your weird defense of I didn't know what to give them doesn't hold because that's fucking insane as a thought. It's a genius (laughs) thought, but it is also fucking insane. Uh, uh, Panic buying. What do I buy my Secret Santa? Uh, Dijon! There's a Dijon store right next to you. (laughs) That was basically my, my train of thought right there, so... Anyway, so yeah, we were talking about the, the tendency of the rate of profit to fall vis-a-vis uh, black exploitation movies. Yeah, and again, like I would say, any exploitation movie. Well, again, that's it depends on how narrow your view of exploitation is. The advent of VHSs in the '80s really changed the industry. Blah 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 blah. Okay, it is it is true. It, it happens every every so often. We're like like it happened with we've talked about it before. Birdemic. Suddenly yeah, there like was Sharknado. Is... And Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus, all these stupid. I movies. would I would definitely qualify those sci-fi originals as like shark exploitation. I think that's a yes. big enough subgenre that it's like a thing. Shark exploitation happened. <laughs> I like there are definitely like modern day advents of like there's like zombies uh, got run out of town. Yeah, got it. Everybody loved zombies, zombies, and now I hate them. Ugh. Isn't uh, the Walking Dead still on? It's yep. crazy. Wow. Yep. Good for them, honestly. I I was there for like so much of it. I I think I like I got up to like season eight or nine, and then like they just adamantly refused to kill their main character, and so I'm like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. And they killed the gay guy whose name was Jesus, and he was my favorite character. He was a gay <laughs> guy named Jesus, and he just got stabbed. I'm like, if you're gonna kill your oh! character named Jesus, you gotta fucking crucify him, right? You like, gotta yeah, crucify course. him. Come on. Why else? Like, it was never explained why his name was Jesus. That was just like a fun nickname, and they just never go into it. It wasn't even Jesus. No, he was just like, hey, my name is Paul. My friends call me Jesus. Uh, Never gets explained. <laughs> he hardly does anything for, like, honestly, the entire time he's there. And then he well, just he doesn't have to, Mary. We, we know all we need to know about him. He's gay. Yeah, well, that's all I needed to know about him. To that doesn't really come up as often as I would like it to either. But, you know, it came. And then, like, he also knows karate or something, so that's fun. Sick. And you know who I'm doesn't know karate? Here for gay do you know who artist Jesus? Do you know who doesn't know karate? Who? Rudy Ray Moore. Rudy Ray Moore. That's ah. true. So yeah, Rudy Ray Moore. He's like, oh, I'm gonna make a movie about black people because, especially specifically, I think he wants to sort of make a comedy. This is one of the points that the movie was a little unclear on: is whether he set out to make a comedy or just failed into it. Um. They do try and sort of try and have it both ways in this, which is which is fine. So yeah, he goes to a actual sort of black exploitation um, film executive, and he pitches his idea of this sort of wish fulfillment comedy. And the guy goes, "No, that's not what we're doing here. We're trying to make good movies and specifically a lot more dramas. So uh, get out of my office." But this doesn't deter Rudy. Rudy He's resilient. He's resilient. He's a bootstraps kind of guy. He's, he's living pushing the forward with dream. his goals. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. We like, love this him. Is Real inspirational. Like, this is like this is genuinely to be sort of the American dream. Yeah, but it's I like one of the that. people who like the most promote the American dream wouldn't consider to be as such. Because yeah, well, he's a self-made man. It means it's black. A black man is succeeding. How dare yeah. he? 
Even though, like, everything about this, where, like, he comes from basically nothing, and he works his way up using his own tenacity and ingenious, yeah. without even the uh, structure of the studio system, and he manages to succeed. He does it all on his American own. Dream. And his friends. And he, and yeah, he, The oh. friends bit is maybe not the American dream hype. Well, I guess not, but I think it adds... At all. I think it adds a really nice, like, uh, your friends Yeah, like, that's too. why it's nice, is it isn't, it also isn't just, like, the loner, tortured artist stereotype. Yeah. If anything, his friends are sort of too supportive in it. Like, they're always just, like, every time he's da- sad and it's, like, something that also affects them, such as, like, I don't know, they're not getting paid. They're like, don't feel sad, Rudy. You did a good thing and tried to make a movie. I do feel bad for all of those extras who were working under their rate. Or not the extras, but the, the, film the studio, crew. Yeah. The Let's get on to anyway. that, yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Complete lack of studio assistance doesn't deter Rudy. He puts together his own hodgepodge stream team to make his movie. So the first person he hires is Jerry Jones, who's a serious black playwright played by uh, Keegan-Michael Key. Yep. And they sort of, like, have uh, a, comp- a combative relationship because Jerry Jones is trying to make a serious commentary on life in the black community, and Rudy Ray Moore is like, uh, what if my character knew Kung Fu? What if and- he had an army of <laughs> Kung Fu women? I love the army of kung fu women. Absolutely yeah. every movie needs an army of kung fu women. I am you know what? They had them in Man with the Iron Fist and it was perfect. Yep. They had it in um Man with the Iron Fist is sort of a setup of black exploitation. And kind uh, of, like, more actually, maybe martial arts kung fu, kung fu exploitation, but both a yeah. crossover? Yeah. And there were, there was also more than one kung fu sort of black exploitation movie at the time as well. Yeah. No, anyway, we should watch Men with Iron Fist one day. I we will. That yeah. so it's, much. it's still one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, the the like relationship it? between Jerry Jones, the serious playwright, and Rudy Ray Moore is one of is like one where you could definitely make an entire movie about that. I think they left a lot on the table of this sort of probably very strained relationship that did happen between two people whose creative ideas were very different, but were both very passionate about this project. All of the, all of, um, who was the playwright's name? Sorry. Jerry Jones. or Jerry Jones. All of his kind of concerns, like any time that he didn't really like something that Rudy was suggesting, it the scenes would always just end in him just being like, putting his hands on his hips, tilting his head and being like, oh, you. Yeah, very much. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that one, King. Or whatever, I don't know. Whatever. Like, it would have been a very different movie if he was the main character and his view on all of this. I think it would have been a lot less of a positive movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it would have been a little. Yeah. It would have been like fucking. It it would have been Mank, basically. (laughs) As it stands, though. <laughs> See, this is a better movie than me. this is the thing. It's like I don't think this is like you know I'm tired overall of Hollywood biopics about Hollywood. This one gets a, li- a couple yeah. of points though because it's at least about a more marginalized group who haven't been. It's like, about indie. About so much. It's about an indie guy. He's an independent. Yeah, like filmmaker. I do believe the struggles a bit more because they're literally systemic as opposed to just like oh. one individual white guy being like man, the studio told me, no, I guess I gotta do it on my own. And we're just like, yeah, individualist spirit, go you. I don't fucking care. Whereas Mank is based on this p- probably false narrative of, uh, you know, Orson Welles stealing a guy's work. 
I honestly, like, the more I think about it, the more I'm annoyed about how much they aged up Mank, and then also by uh, comparison aged down uh, Amanda Seyfried as... Yeah, that was bizarre. Because she was, like, 16 years older than him or something in reality or something what like the that. F- what the fuck? And instead they got, like, 30-something Amanda Seyfried acting opposite Gary Oldman, who's it's 60-something like late or 60s. whatever. That's yeah, Gary Oldman and fucking Darkest Hour. Fucking, I hated that movie. One of my least. Yeah, that's like movies. really. That's still on your shit list. Isn't Cannot it? believe you won Best Actor for that over Daniel Day Lewis and Timothy Chalamet. Like, are you yeah. serious? Timothy Chalamet was so good in Quality. Yeah, I really deserve that. I haven't seen any of these movies. Quality Hour name's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a bit statutory. You have seen, you actually, you have seen the Daniel Day Lewis one because it was. Phantom oh yeah, Thread. Phantom Thread. Yeah. Oh, ah, <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> I know Phantom Thread. Yeah. Yep. We talked about it on this podcast. We did. Go watch that episode. Listen to. Anyway, so uh, just randomly while they're at a strip club one night looking for women willing to take their tops off, uh, Rudy encounters Derville Martin, who's an aging black actor who uh, Rudy convinces to come on and direct the movie. And then all we need is crew. So um, they find a bunch of unpaid, uh, is it? Film New students. York film school. Yeah, just film students who, to work as crew and to sort out all the technical shit that Rudy's just like, nah, I don't know any of that stuff. I, I don't know how to do any of that. I don't know it's about not for lights me. or camera or Yeah, why can't we just open the window? That's you do. That's what you do. And then then a boy dies in a horrible electricity (laughs) accident. Yeah, what I have written here is what follows is a montage of unpaid labor and unsafe work conditions. (laughs) OSHA violations (laughs) out the wazoo. Yeah, but again, it's very heartwarming. It's very sort of like, you know... It's fun! It's fun to not follow OSHA. Who yeah. cares? It's not this even his 70s. building. He's just yeah. pretending yeah, to be the, the thing caretaker. Is he buys like a condemned hotel. There's no electricity, so he sends one of the unpaid students to like steal it from on top of a roof, and the guy gets electrocuted. <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, we have electricity." Yeah, they, they literally <laughs> clap. <laughs> they clap. <laughs> it's so like, fun. It's, it's sort of like the intent here is again just to be heartwarming and see how much work and passion and love was put into all this and what it actually ends up being is quite an accidental strong um strong commentary on the necessity of film unions yeah uh, yep <laughs> yeah i would say because again like i'm glad that dolomite got made and i'm glad that the dolomite that exists in this universe is like this movie is very much everyone gets the benefit of the doubt about their actions and character yeah, so, we assume there's, everybody's there's so much okay. that Rudy specifically does, which you could easily read and write as being essentially exploitative, um, you know, not not paying workers, taking stories from homeless people and becoming famous off them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it really just does give him the benefit of the doubt as he's just a passionate, creative man who really wants to do this project, and everyone who works with him is on that same wavelength and wants the same things. Yeah. Again, just, very oversimplistic. Nice guy. Move. Everybody's yeah. cheering for him because we we love him. He's just so cool. We believe in his dream. Yeah. D- uh, did I see it correctly? At the end, did they call Rudy Raymore the godfather of rap? Yes. Okay, that makes sense. 
like because yeah. of like yeah like his the, it, like, the dolomite scheme. character which has a beat under it and then speaks in a rhyming cadence um is something that's become that a lot of uh people who were into rap especially in the 80s and 90s sort of cited as an early influence about yeah how that makes sense things like poetry uh a, a beat comedy the african-american experience etc cetera, etc cetera. sick man icon yeah. yeah rudy ray moore icon i didn't know about until very recently lame i get and that's also why i think that sort of like a biopic about this character is you know not terrible is he is hugely influential yeah as is black exploitation mm. overall but i don't i would say that i making a movie one specific movie about black exploitation would be biting off more than you can chew so okay focus on this one guy and this was a fun story it like yes. i'm excited to know about this now but yeah Whereas, this the thing is like yeah there is a fair amount of nudity but this is also a movie where i'd be like you could show this to like maybe a 12 year old or something I I don't think it would be bad, even though they say they say things like "pussy licking" and, and they say the end oh, a lot as well, I suppose. But yes, they do. But yeah. like it is, it, it's you know, baby's first entry into systemic racism, where yeah. we absolutely see the ways that well, we see some of the ways that being a marginalized group can really affect you in your everyday life. But it's a fairly light look at that, and a lot of the problems are essentially solved, at least within the main character, if not society overall. Yeah, the the prescription in this movie for uh, you know problems of the world is just hey make a movie about it. Yeah, just one yeah. movie too. Yeah, just one. And, and then and every, watch and then... watch a movie. Go to the movies, everybody. Everybody, go support your local cinema. Yeah, and specifically, like, but you know, I think you know, I'm not I, representation isn't everything, but it does matter. Go see some yeah, movies that are made need. by marginalized film people. Film yeah, people. film people. Yeah, say people. The, the film people are marginalized. They're made out of film, and that makes them very, very <laughs> flammable. Likely to fragile. Yes, flammable. Even just a a, a a lit cigarette can also again. Like I mean, you know, I saw Ryan Murphy's Hollywood, and it's not that level of fucking wish fulfillment. Jesus H Christ. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that looks bad. Love to, I. I, I if, I would like you to watch it, but I don't want you to develop high blood pressure at your age, which that movie absolutely would do. Like, you would have long-term health ramifications if you saw that. Yeah, I would do not want to watch that personally. I'm just going to pass on anything Ryan yeah. Murphy is involved in. That sucks because he's involved in everything. God damn it. He's got, he's got his little toes, his little piglets all, all through it, all the pies. Yeah, all his generic uh, stable of brunette, masculine gay men there for rotation in and out. <laughs> not, not a stable full. He just keeps them in his barn on his property. <laughs> Ironically, that's kind of like one of the character one of the characters in Hollywood did. But don't worry, <laughs> we solved old. it. We solved it in six episodes. We solved sexual sexual exploitation in the Hollywood's Golden Age in six episodes. Thank goodness. Just like Dolomite, Dolomite. I always want to say Dolomain. I don't know why. <laughs> dolomite. Um, just like this movie solved... What solved... is dolomite in French? Is it just... Is it dolomite? Or is it... Probably. Dolomite. Yeah, dolomite. Hmm? It doesn't mean anything. I don't think. And if it does, it's... I don't know what it is. Well, I don't think it means anything. In... Oh, no, it is. It's a It's a metal. Oh. Okay. I was, I was kind of wondering, like, what the fuck is dolomite? Like, where did he get this? <laughs> it's a metal. That's 
that's cool. So at this point... I mean, it sounds So the cool. movie at this point is just basically them making this movie in very under-budget conditions and a lot of sort of shoestring budget MacGyver solutions that aren't really solutions because, again, the movie, the, the actual product that they turn out is not great. Uh, one of the highlights here is the sex scene. <laughs> yes. Which is just very funny. It's so funny! That's one of those times when, like, you know, again, they are very simplifying things. That sex scene actually happens in the sequel to Dolomite, the human tornado. But, like, oh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's such a funny scene. And, like, you know, in terms of narrative inconsistencies, taking it from the sequel of a movie, I think that's fine. I think it's fine. Yeah. Whatever. We're not going like, to get a Dolomite is my Jason. name again. You know, we're yeah. not going to have a second installment. Yeah, the human tornado Dolomite is my name. 2 is my name. <laughs> Dolomite 2 is my name. But again, I would watch it. Is my last yeah, name? I would, I would Dolomite 2 see, is my like, last name? I'd be happy to see Eddie Murphy resurrect this character, though, because again, like, I, he is very charming in this role. He really is. Which, yeah. we, which Eddie Murphy is not always. This was such a good role for him because it really plays into a lot of his actual abilities. He is he's, musical, he, he's comedic, he can do that he, dramatic streak, and I think, like, there are obviously, a, like, it's very easy, I would imagine, for him to see himself in the character of Rudy Ray Moore. I, yeah. yeah. No, it was, it was very fun. He did a really, really, really good performance. Um, and he looked great the whole time. Probably, yeah, probably yeah, that's the that's costume that's department. Really the good. style so of this good. movie. Like, this is one, like, if this movie deserves one Academy Award nomination, because it was completely shut out, it is, for me, very much costume design. Yeah, costume design was so good. They, it I was, really think they brought a very joyful version of the '70s to life using their costumes. Yes, everybody looked amazing. Everybody looked like the they were from that amazing. decade. The white people looked boring as shit. Well, they looked go- gooberish. Yeah, but I think that that. Yeah, Stiff I guess I wasn't really thinking about them. Corporate types. Corporate types. Or that were just the film white student, people in the movie. Film student yeah. and ripped jeans type. But like, I was gonna say the, the, the stoner students were. But even that, like the stoner students, I don't even think I don't know if we they were, were wearing bell bottoms or not. Even. Yeah, we were supposed yeah, to like the. I think we were supposed to like the the film students. I yeah, because they were hip. Sure. They were with it. They were. They had long hair, but they yeah. weren't wearing like gorgeous sequined labor, tuxes. So, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, th- there was no mixing of patterns with them. No. Yeah. This they would wear weird. at most a checkered a checkered shirt. And I but a part of that was as well to just portray that they are just dead broke film students who can only afford a, a holy white t-shirt. Also that. But yeah, I mean like honestly like the style of this movie from the costume design, the set design, the music really does bring this like idealized 1970s version to life. And makes the it version a universe I live that in. I really want to inhabit, I want to live in, even before, like, a so word much. is spoken. Yeah. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Everybody looks so cool. And I want to be there. Just go to a thrift know, and store just, like, and get that type of shirt if you can find it, or whatever. You know? Yeah. You can, I'll do my best. You can, the big you can be a 70s fashion and, and have a cell phone. Is that's what, sort of what I would. Oh, that's like my to dream. Do. I would like to. Yeah, but not I want everybody to look like because that because I'm addicted to cell phone. So. No, that's okay. I don't want to go back in time because I like. Um... I like having rights as a. Woman. Yeah, yeah, I like. That's I like being true well. Too. I, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. but this is the thing: is like, part of it is for fun, and part of it is for anxiety. I do think a lot about you know what would I do if I go back in time. 
And the anxiety part is sometimes I have, I'm essentially doing contingency plans in case this happens, because I need a plan of what to do. <laughs> That's just fucking anxiety. And my plan for basically every decade pre the 1950s has just become a nun and hope for the best. Because yeah. <laughs> that, like, yeah. you know, a lot of downsides to being a nun, but still seems like generally a better idea than just being a, a, a bog standard woman. <laughs> It sucks because like Cause I don't want to lot... die in childbirth, basically. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to have kids. I don't want to be I dependent be on read. somebody else. I like the idea of reading. I like the idea of being able to make my own money. Yeah. Yeah, you're That's fucked. Nice. I know. But, but but the 1970s is one where like certainly if I had a time machine, I would at least like to visit. But I do have this sort of fantasy that comes from watching all of these exploitation movies. Oh, Although, you could watch like, them all in theaters. Oh, not that, just that. I would like to work as a script girl on exploitation <gasps> films and do their continuity for them. And then, like, the version I have in my like, specifically, I would like to work with Jess Franco because he made, like, fucking 25 softcore lesbian movies in, like, a 10-year period. Hell yes. And, nice. like, my my fantasy there is I'd just be like, hey, I'm a lesbian. He's like, cool, I'll hire you. And then I'd be like, hey, but don't hit on me because I'm a lesbian. He's like, I respect that. That wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how that would go at all you would be immediately is. hit on you would yeah be... i would be so sexually harassed like yep until very recently script girl like the very fact that it was called script girl was not a very respected position it was often um at least believed to be if and this essentially this came from a semi-stereotype that the script girl would often be uh the director's essentially mistress who he would have on set Right. So either he would hire his existing mistress or turn the script girl into his mistress. And again, I'm just like, yeah, but I would just tell them I'm a lesbian, and then they'd totally respect that, and I'd be fine, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're working on a lesbian film. That means that everybody's Made by respectful a guy who is lesbians. quite specifically a kinky voyeur who's there to work at his kids. <laughs> <laughs> but he'd be like, no, it's fine. I'll just, like, I'm already over here watching my wife have lesbian sex. I will absolutely leave you alone. I respect your autonomy. <laughs> That's, that's the dreamland we're allowed to live in. We're yeah, allowed to that, live that's, there. <laughs> that's the way it would happen in the Dolomite version of the 70s. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. But yeah, they make a movie. They. I also, we can't, We talked about this briefly. Um, there's one very funny scene where Lady Reed is talking to a, um, a white supporting character about his acting rules. <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, I'm just known as, I just play all the bad white guys in black movies. And I just have the question here, is constantly playing a, a villain, specifically a racist villain in uh, black media, is that allyship? <laughs> is it allyship of people pay you to come up and, show, and say the n-word so they can punch you? I don't know. I don't know! If you are clearly- I feel like it would have to be your level of awareness of it determines whether or not that's true. Like, if you're it's just true. a normal yeah. guy, like, pleasant to people on set- outside like after the camera stops rolling then that's fine it's true because he seemed very aware that his job was to be the racist white guy and he was like yeah i just have that look about me i guess but he was like (laughs) he was like trying to like converse with his fellow actors and like he seemed very pleasant yeah yeah the one scene we saw because the other reason, like, this is, like, I saw on Netflix there's a movie called Passing, which is about light-skinned black women in um, the 1910s. Oh, I've been 20s. meaning to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård is in two scenes as one of the characters' overtly racist husbands who, like, just drops the N-word. 
And oh. I'm like, that's such a weird fucking role where, like, did he just get called as, like, hey, Alexander Skarsgård, do you want to, like, show up for a weekend and just say the N-word a couple of times in our prestige drama? Yeah, we, yeah, well, we, that's need, like... we need a guy who looks like he's kind of racist and can <laughs> well, that's like, say the With N-word. Alexander Skarsgård specifically, I think it's a bad career move for him, so I'm hoping he's doing it as an attempt at allyship because, like, he looks like the Aryan ideal, so I feel like his role shouldn't be too close to racist. But it's too easy to believe. <laughs> well, and and that's like the same thing with uh, people who choose to play the role of the pedophile. Yeah, that's a like, risky one. Too. Oh, okay. You're that's all right. You're doing that you're one. You're definitely only allowed to do that one once as an actor, or you're like, same with Hitler. How many yeah. times are you allowed to play Hitler? I was wondering about like, that because mm. in the 1940s, at least when there was a lot of like World War II film parodies, there was like oh, just I didn't actually hear that. Four... Sorry, you cut out. Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, at least in the 1940s, there was a stable of like three or four American actors who just played Hitler and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and their names are all things like Brandon Jones, and they're from Utah, right? But yeah, that's that's another good one. It's a question. I don't have an answer for it. I just I, have the question. Is it an, I, is an ally ship to always play like an oppressor? It's an interesting question that I I would love to <laughs> hearing people. Yeah, hey, but if you're out there and you have an it, opinion, know? if you have an opinion about this, let us know. We want to know. You can yeah. email us at allkindsofliquids at gmail dot com. Hell yeah! All right, let's, get that let's plug. jump into the the last bit. Okay. After failing to achieve distribution, um, once again, being shut down by the man, gotta pull himself up by his bootstraps and do it a damn self. He's gonna fucking do it, though. I know he will. Rudy independently releases and promotes the movie. And wouldn't you know that, our underdog triumphs. It's a full house, it's an absolute hit, especially among the black community, and representation cinema is fixed forever. Ah! Yeah, it breaks all records is the closing text says that's sort of true i believe the thing is it's one of those ones where essentially um like it made you know 600 times its its budget so basically it might not have been the highest budgeted movie of that year but because the budget it started with was so low it made like more times its budget than a movie that had a bigger budget even though gotcha it was hugely I mean, successful. It's sort of like how yeah, the, my big fat Greek like wedding highest... is actually considered one of the most um, lucrative movies of all time because it was made for cho- so cheap and did so well. Mm-hmm. I remember, I have a weird memory of that movie. Not that I've ever seen it. I just remember it being advertised out the wazoo. Yeah, that movie was a really weird one because it, yeah, it was a tiny indie movie and it got absolutely huge and was and like was the record holder for quite a while on sort of like... Uh, budget versus return differential that's or whatever. So weird. Yeah, return oh. on return on investment. That's that's the one. Which I think that's sort of where the Dolomite one is too. Mm-hmm. Um, right. This isn't really relevant to anything. It's just something else I know about the seventies. Like yeah, towards the lower end of the return on investment scale, you'd have something like I don't know, Pirates of the Caribbean five or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where it cost a hundred million and it made two hundred million. Yeah. Just trash movie. Like, this isn't relevant to anything, but, um, again, like, I think it was mostly based on that returns principle. Uh, Deep Throat was apparently actually technically a higher, a 
better selling movie, which was one of the porno chic movies, than Star Wars the year it came out. Although part Excellent. of that was also because apparently they were laundering money through ticket sales. So I don't know. That's just. Fucking trip. I love to spend time reading this shit because it's all crazy. Mm-hmm. Ah, man, it was such a crazy time. And they made so many good movies at that crazy time. They did. Because everyone was pretty crazy. Anyway. Yeah. Really, the last point I have to say is just about the representation is fixed forever because you get you get the scene right at the end where Lady Reed t- tells uh, Rudy Ray more like, "I've never seen a woman who looks like me in movies before. Thank you so much for what you've done for me." Which again is a very beautiful and heartwarming sentiment, but also a very simplistic look at the movie, like Dolomite as an original movie and this movie's sort of representation of fucking titties basically then. yeah the movie the movie is really patting itself on the back here it, it is having a fat black yeah woman. yeah when again like she doesn't have that much role of in the actual movie compared to you know the various bikini kung fu women who are very much the focus of whatever gaze right. is in the original dolomite i'm and yeah, i'm like, a little more and the dolomite character you play very heavily off sort of like advertising using black female sexuality not fat black women but they also don't really use fat black female sexuality in Dolomite because she's not a particularly sexual character. Right. Yeah, the sex scene mentioned before is pure comedy. Yeah. Also, it's with a white woman. That's true. And, but anyway. also, like, again, like, they both have a great time. The, like, stripper they hired to do that sex scene is just having a laugh. And again, like, that's a very optimistic view of a sex yeah! scene in a so fun. 1970s movie. <laughs> but again, I want to live in this world. I've forgiven a lot of its faults because this is like a version of the past that I want to exist, even though I know it's not even remotely accurate. I agree. I just it's it just gives me so much so many good feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling good, everybody. Yeah, this movie I wanted, made me I feel said this, good. I wanted a movie that was kind because I was in a bad mood yesterday, and I think this movie is overall very kind. I agree. I think the word is kind. Yeah. Yeah, Magnolia's it was, it was fucking fine. cynic, though. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't really like biopics is the thing. There's, like, two good <laughs> ones that I can think of off the top of my head. There's, like, yeah, Malcolm like, X like, and man. Judas and the Black Messiah. And yes, both of those end with their heroes getting killed. What do you think about the Elephant Man? Oh, yeah, the Elephant Man was pretty... was alright, too. Uh, it was a bit... Right, it was a bit... I don't know. It was a bit treacly, but... Treacly. Uh, yeah, like too sweet. Saccharine, oh. you know. Oh. But yeah, yeah. Good yeah, word. Magnolia's not Good us. Word. Magnolia wants like the past to look even worse than it actually. Is. <laughs> <laughs> I want a movie that makes me feel wistful, or um, like upset. I I don't want to have a movie <laughs> no, that makes no me feel between. good. <laughs> I refuse to feel good. Yes, exactly. This is not what cinema is for. Movies are for fun. Was lying. <laughs> With this movie, I mean, like, like, like I said, it was, it's fine. I didn't hate it. It, it was le- It was slightly less formulaic and just. It was boring. very formulaic, to be honest. Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, it but was very formulaic. But even just that of but, making it about black culture using black music. It helps it a lot for me, at mm-hmm. least. Yeah, the style of it—it it was a very cool-looking and sounding movie. But yeah, I, I, like, just, yeah, the script and especially the story beats. The story are beats are very obvious, and 
I don't think they're trying to not be. I think yeah. it's fun. Yeah, I, think I know. Yeah, nice. I, I, that's, that's fine. I'm just saying what I don't like about biopics. Oh, yeah. So there's this one. With this one, I think they're using the pre-existing like biopic There's like the theory structure. of life or whatever, the theory of everything that one, uh, what's his name, that... Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. The yeah. first half is how bad it is to be Stephen Hawking. The second half is how bad it was. How to be good Stephen it is Hawking. to be Stephen Hawking. <laughs> like that's exactly it. Like the first, like the fucking Bohemian Rhapsody too. Oh god. Uh, I watched the Elton John one, and I it was fine. The Bohemian Rhapsody one, and you guys can both uh, confirm this. Queen was my favorite band for uh, oh, yeah. quite a long time, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and they're still up there. But like the Bohemian Rhapsody one really soured me on Queen, like as a band for a That's while. That's so sad. And part oh, of that no. is just also because I'm a fucking hipster, and everyone else started listening to Queen music, and I'm like, oh, I, I like something <laughs> right. from mainstream, you wanted which to I be fucking the, yeah. didn't. So I was that bored rocks. after Freddie Mercury died. Yeah, honestly, honestly, like I like Phoebe Bridgers slightly less now that everyone listens to Phoebe Bridgers. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. I don't even is, know who that is. We all came of age in like peak hipster times, and I almost, I, might, I, I almost gave up it. fully on Deadpool because I'm like, now that he has a big feature film, I just <laughs> can't feel like I like him as much as I used to. I listen to basically a bunch of musicians who are basically trying to be Taylor Swift, but quite, but quite, quite crucially, they're not Taylor Swift. <laughs> so, it's, so they're better because they're less popular. Right. We're hipsters. <laughs> we grew up. We we were in high school in the in 2010. Like, yeah, 2012 for me is specifically peak hipster indie year, which I don't even know is true, but, like, when I think of 2012, it's wearing an ironic pair of, like, fucking square-framed 3D glasses. Yes. Or your... guitar. Your Carlos Danger t-shirt. I still have that. I know you do. <laughs> I, I saw it a, the last time I visited. I love a good fucking sex scandal from, like, ten years ago that just makes <laughs> everything... That just looks so quaint today. <laughs> it really does! What was it? Like... He had, he a, had a Twitter alt, and he was sending pictures of his, of his penis <laughs> to women using his Twitter alt. Was which was named Carlos Danger, which is the you know, coolest like, fucking know, name. I don't want to go to bat for Anthony Weiner, but you know, at least he wasn't transporting minors across state lines or whatever. <laughs> it's true. He, he, he just was, another... he was just sending sexts to minors. That's not that bad in comparison. Okay, was it minors? To be fair, yeah, the Carlos oh, yeah. Danger it was period wasn't oh. the minors period. That's the other thing is Anthony Weiner's sex scandals have gotten less quaint. Yeah. <sighs> he, Anthony Weiner, you are hereby cancelled by all kinds of liquids. It, it did really just start with he sent a dick pic to somebody. And the his original name is Carlos Danger. He took a dick pic in like the fucking Senate gym or whatever, like the government <laughs> property gym, and sent it to a woman who wasn't his wife, and that was his original. That was the scandal. scandal. Yeah. And then he lay low for a while, and then it turned out that he was sending other women on Twitter dick pics using Carlos Danger. And yeah, it's like, often okay, not just spicier. rarely just one time that you know you're sexing yeah, someone he's had not a, your wife. He's a yeah, yeah. He's had a lot of like. It's not just that. Obviously, it's. You know, yeah, if you cheat once, it's not a good sign. He keeps getting caught and <laughs> he then really continuing does. to do it. And also do you think, continuing do you think to that's try a kink? to hold public office because he tried to run for mayor in the middle of one of his sex scandals. I think it might be a humiliation fetish. Uh, Very possibly. Well, could be. So we're we're just feeding into that by even talking about it. Still don't drag people who don't want to be yeah. into that uh, into it, you know? Yeah. Put your, put your wiener away, Anthony. Yeah, Weiner. put your wiener yeah. away. Uh, you, danger. you bad little boy. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> oh, no, we, we went too far. We went too far. 
Uh, should we talk about Liquid of the Week, or do we want to rate it first? Let's either. Liquid of the Week first. Sure. Oh, okay, so neither. I know uh, either, Changes I said. the formula. <laughs> oh, either. <laughs> Goodbye. We're just cutting us off. <laughs> I want to say, I think the Liquid of the Week should honestly be whatever the fuck's in a lava lamp. I don't know if there were any lava lamps in this movie. <laughs> I don't know. Felt like this movie felt like it took place inside of a lava lamp. That's true. Hold on, lava lamp. Can you drink it? <laughs> no, you cannot. You can definitely. If you not. drink lava lamp liquid, you get to be, live inside the dolomite. Is my name universe? The whirling globs we remember yes, our are made of the week is mainly of paraffin wax. <laughs> They're paraffin wax. Paraffin wax we, is the liquid I'm of the week. I'm calling it. I'm using my fucking executive powers here to say the liquid of the week is whirling globs of paraffin wax. I agree. That's right. Pick your color. It's any color. Except for, well, no. It's not brown. You can have suede anywhere, but the paraffin wax that is the liquid of the week that no, you are imagining like, in your lava lamp cannot be brown. That's Even my only caveat. I do think of, like, brown was one of the absolute colors of the 1970s. Oh, the brown wall's fine. Brown couch, fine. Brown vest, dig it. Absolutely. But... With, a, with an orange shirt underneath? Unparalleled. Yes, please. But the unparalleled. paraffin wax cannot be brown. Anyway. Let's, let's, anyway. Write, let's write this. I'm... I'm giving it a high one, I think. I really liked watching it. Eddie Murphy was great. Yeah. So was Wesley Snipes. I'm giving actually. it a middling high because, like, I think it's a feel-good movie. I don't think it's objectively great. I'm gonna give it 600. All right, I'm giving it 583. And I'm giving it okay. So first, I'm gonna introduce my own little thing here. I'm, I'm it's called the Love Actually test. Yeah. And it's did I enjoy this movie more than Love Actually? And, and the answer you? is yes. But All not right. that much more than Love Actually because I didn't really care for this movie. I'm going to give it 401, I think. Oh. Wow. Maggie, why are we friends? <laughs> Good question. I asked why. myself that. Why are you again, why are you asking because of me, answer next question, please. Oh, you're yeah, right. Yeah, that's the literal <laughs> answer. <laughs> that's the Metaphysi literal answer. <laughs> Metaphysically. I don't know. Good question. Sh shut, up and, shut up and drink your lava lamp juice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody out there, drink a juice. Yeah, drink have, a paraffin wax. Yeah, liquid uh, endorses you drinking lava lamp liquid. Yeah. That's right. Chug a lug, doing that right now. results <laughs> at... Check out. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.